1: Day podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Dusty Evely. With me, as always, is Sarah Kelleher. Sarah, last week we got hit with a news bomb. This week we have no such news bomb. <laughs> so thankfully, we had planned ahead. We were kind of thinking, is anything going gonna, to hit? We don't have a Packers game to talk about. We have one piece of news, one official piece of Packer news that was already kind of known for the past few days anyway, but signed today pen to paper rich passaccia signed as the special teams coordinator in green bay no one knows how much it just sounds like it, by all official reports and ungodly sum of money they backed up the brinks truck for rich passaccia from the looks of it now sarah last week we talked about special coordinators who would want for special coordinators special teams coordinators i had brought up a guy from the ravens uh tj uh, tj wiest and you brought up one rich passaccia so you've had a couple of days of kind of, you know, thinking about this, but now that's official. How do you feel about this?
2: I feel great because the Packers finally listened to me. They finally did something <laughs> that I asked for. Um, you know, I always joke last year, I guess, is over the summer in the offseason. And you we were talking about contracts and what was going to happen. And, you know, I made a joke that. Although I love Aaron Jones, there was no way that the Packers were going to be able to bring him back with the cap situation. And if they do, then I'm just an idiot and I should leave the podcast. Well, joke's on me because they did that. And obviously, Aaron Jones is still on the team. So after that, I just gave up on giving any takes about what the Packers were going to do because clearly I'm a moron and I don't know. But this time, I was feeling good about it. I'm like, you know, he's, it seems like the Packers have been trending in the right direction as far as. You know whether it's personnel decisions or just anything in um, the last few years. Like I, I, know even Rogers has been thrilled with you know getting Campbell and guys like Rasul Douglas. It just seems like the Packers have been hitting their stride and finding um, more pieces to the Green Bay puzzle. And this just felt right, so I went with my gut, and I was so glad. And I was texting some of my friends. They're like, "Who do you think it's going to be?" And I, I stuck with it. I said, "This is who I think it's going to be." So when I saw that tweet from tom silverstein the other day that said you know my per source this is what's happening just felt good felt good to be right for once
1: Yeah, and I mean I think uh, you know, we talked about it last week and I don't know if we need to elaborate it on too much, but it was kind of it was nice seeing an outside hire, you know, a guy that seems well respected. You see all the praise coming in from former players and all that stuff. I looked into his numbers a little bit. I did a, a short Twitter thread on this and I wanna kinda recap some of it here just because so I looked at his twenty years uh career as a special teams coordinator. He bumps out around even. Looking at uh, Football Outsiders DVOA, he comes in around sixteenth. His, his units around sixteenth on an average over his twenty-year career. His first year in a system, you usually get a five to eight uh, ranking bump. So if you were sitting at oh, I don't know, say like thirty-two, you'd be eight spots higher than thirty-two next year. So looking for that, hopefully a little better. He's relatively consistent in the middle. He not a whole lot of top ten finishes, not a whole lot of you know bottom ten finishes. He kind of. It's that middle ground, uh, just the report card on him. His weakest over over the course of his career, the weakest part of his game. A lot of people might not like this too much. And this is by DVOA, which is a football outsiders metric. And it's it's rate-based, and special teams don't get a ton of snaps. And so it's a little more volatile than other ones. I just want to put that out there. But over his 20-year career, field goals and extra points have been his worst. He's been uh, comfortably below average, like not a ton, but comfortably below average there. Kickoff? above average kickoff return above average which I mean people are going to go wild for that in green bay that if it's an above average kickoff return you know that's insane punt above average and punt return just slightly below average so again everything evens out as average it seems like a good hire we're we're excited this is a pro rich pisachia podcast and sarah that's uh <laughs> That's it. That's it, man. That's that's all of our news. So we came up with an idea. You can't say we. Uh, I was going to take all the credit for it. Sarah, you came up with an idea for the last week uh, because we we're in the doldrums of the offseason, even though we have the Super Bowl coming up. So we're going to roll into that now. We're going to take a look back on the season probably be doing this something like this a lot because a lot season's long but with the, the season in the relatively near rear view here we're going to run down superlatives so Sarah why don't you uh, kick us off here and kind of say what we're kind of going through and we'll we'll give our superlatives for the uh 2021 Green Bay Packers
2: yeah so this is something I believe we did this last year or the year before too and it's just kind of a fun way to reflect on the season especially when the season ends in a way that none of us really hoped for um and it makes you go okay this wasn't all bad we had some fun there were some good moments there are some bad moments but overall we were here for a good time uh so we'll just go right down the list we have about 10 or so that we're gonna run through uh so we'll start with mvp uh, for the offense so dusty i'll pass it to you first
1: mvp man i'm going i'm going mvs my mvp is mvs we saw what the offense looked without him. It became very, very clear uh, in that in that playoff game, if nothing else. But even throughout the season, games he started versus games he did not start, they scored five points fewer in games he was he was not there. It was uh, I've talked about this before. I love how they kind of built the receiver room. Part of me really likes the way they did that. You have these complementary skill sets. You have these guys who are specialized and very good at specific things. Lazard's not fast, but he's a good blocker. Devontae is a technician. You know, like all of the all of these really nice skill sets that you have. MVS was the one speed guy. And so when he had this injury-plagued season, it really hampered what they could do. They have no one to take the top off. You have no one to stretch the defense. So I think for my my MVP, and this is just based on, first of all, my love for him in general, but then what we saw, how the offense looked without him and how that how that hampers, how they want to operate, how they kind of like to operate. Uh, I'm, i i got to go MVS. Who do you, who do you got, sir?
2: Yeah, mine's obvious. It's Devontae Adams. I mean – He's Devonte Adams. I can't really say much more than that. Every game he showed up. You know, there's multiple guys covering him. That just shows you that he's clearly the guy. Uh, he's just so much fun to watch, and I don't know if this was the last year we'll ever see him in the Packers uniform. But if it is, I'm just grateful we had the opportunity to watch him work because he's just truly one of one. Uh, and it's been an awesome journey, and I really hope it isn't the end. But he brings so much to that offense, and you know, it's kind of similar to MBS distracting people with the, as a deep threat. Devontae just distracts people being him, being exactly who he is. And then, you know, if guys are doubling him and their attention is there, Rodgers is able to hit guys like MBS and Lazard, or at least he should. We saw that didn't happen in the divisional round. But soon,
1: Sarah. But, Too uh, soon.
2: when when that did happen, the offense was beautiful. So uh, that would be mine. On the flip side, we'll go MVP of the defense. So I'll start this time. And again, another obvious one, Rasul Douglas. This was such a surprise. I, I don't think anybody expected this to work out as well as it did. And he was just so much fun to watch. It was electric. The way that he would get so fired up, he broke up a million pass plays, had all those interceptions. I mean, pick six, And then the walk off interception against the Cardinals are just iconic. Um, So I would go with him. He just made the defense in a lot of ways fun again.
1: Yeah. And for me, it might be a little bit of recency bias uh, just because of what he did in that divisional round game. I'm going to go over Sean Gary. Uh, You know, I was at, at, when he was picked at 12, I was kind of one of the people as well that kind of, there's some other guys in that spot I would have liked a little better. He wasn't really used a ton, and this was kind of, all right, this is his breakout year, especially once uh, once Z was down. He's getting the snaps, but year three, that was going to be it for him. They are easing him along. So to see him do what he did, I mean, not just that divisional round game, but all year. Uh, kind of up front with again missing a guy like Z and it was him and Preston and how are they going to get the pass rush gone going and just all of the stuff that kind of goes into that and he when he was out there man just a force he did what they wanted him to do you know sometimes he gets a little over aggressive and keeps some of the, those escape lanes open but even then I thought when the game plan called for him not to do that I feel like he did a pretty good job at that the Cardinals game I thought he did a good job of compressing and not getting out of the lane and kind of doing what he was supposed to do so I think just again might be recency bias since he he just nearly single-handedly wrecked that divisional round game but you know, that you'd be dreaming on that for years and that it finally hits this year 3 and to see him become the guy that we kind of hoped he was going to be and be able to kind of put some of these pass rush moves together and evolve in that I'm just I'm gonna go with that because when he was on, it was it was really, really hard to stop him.
2: Our next superlative for the Packers 2021-2022 season is the unsung hero. So Dusty, who was your unsung hero this year? I'm
1: gonna go Lucas Patrick. Uh, you know, the offensive line in general was just kind of, you know, a lot of guys in, a lot of guys out, a lot of shifting around. You don't you don't normally see that out of the Packers, but they had to do that quite a bit. Lucas Patrick, I think he started that Saints game and then was on the bench for a couple games, had to step in at uh, at center when Myers went down, kicked out to right guard when Myers came back. He was just what he's been throughout his entire career in Green Bay. He's just he's what they need him to be. He's not spectacular. He's not great, but he does it. He'll get beat, but he'll do his job. He's a grinder. He works his ass off every single time he's out there. And again, in a year where they had to shuffle, shuffle the guys around for a guy to be a starter, bench center, and then right guard to kind of move around like that, and be you know again not spectacular but fine in all of those spots and never complain about it. I in a year especially with the with the offensive line was um, like certainly a brighter spot than anyone thought with the injuries there. Uh, Lucas Patrick is the guy that I didn't see a whole lot of praises sung about, but I thought he had a really nice year
0: given all the circumstances.
2: No other than Big Dog, Mercedes Lewis, Um, his role on the team is just really impossible to replicate at times. What he's able to do in the blocking game and the trust that the guys have in him, and clearly he's a leader that everybody looks to. Matt LaFleur loves him, as we we know and we've heard. Um, and he's just always the guy that kind of comes through, is there when the Packers need him to. He's silent. He might not be the one scoring the touchdowns and having the flashy plays, but if you go back and roll the tape, he's there making a big block that, you know, gets a guy open, or he's, you know, laying his body on the line, even though they always joke he's 100 years old and he's, you know, Opening up lanes for people out there. So that would be mine for sure. And another one where I, it's, it's going to be hard to let go when he finally leaves green Bay. Um, our next one is fan favorite of 2021. And I went with Aaron Jones for this one. Um, how can you not like Aaron Jones? That's how I, when I was thinking of this, he is just the best. He's such a likable person. Um, you know he was up for the man of the year award in the NFL he was the Packers nominee this year and he just does so much for the community you could tell he loves being in Green Bay he didn't have to come back he took less money to be a part of the Packers because he wanted to be there and on this team and I just love him he's always hustling he, we saw him fight through injuries a few times this year and he's always just going to be a player that I admire and I really enjoy watching
1: yeah, for sure. It's hard to it's hard to pick against that uh, fan favorite. It's hard to pick anyone other than Aaron Jones. But I'm gonna pick someone other than Aaron Jones. And maybe this is just me. This is not maybe not a fan favorite. This is a dusty favorite. It's Randall Cobb. And uh, you know it's say Randall I, Cobb again. It's Colin Randall Cobb again. And I say maybe that's just me, but really like when he just the reaction when he came back, when it was kind of like he was freed from Houston and seeing his reaction <laughs> when he like finally got there and he was just so obviously excited to be back in Green Bay, be back with an organization like the Packers among people he loved. And then kind of what he did, you know, he had the, I think one big game during the season and just he seemed happy to be there all year. And then I know, I think, uh, I came over after week eighteen to before week eighteen, the Packers POV podcast where they, they you know, interview different Packers players. They talked to Randall Cobb and there's a clip that kind of when or made the rounds after that, where he kind of broke down crying, talking about how important it was for him and his family, and how he, you know, wanted to graduate college, and how you know he set a setting his generations up because he was the first of his family to graduate college, and what coming back to Green Bay meant for him. And you could tell this was just such a big moment for him. And the the fans, I mean, he was always a fan favorite in Green Bay anyway, but the fans seemed to embrace him in a way uh, after he came back that that it was at a greater level even than it was before. So I think just based on his reaction and reactions to him through all of the stuff he's been saying all year. I think uh, I'm going to go Randall Cobb. It's tough because it's tough, man. I mean, you could put Mercedes Lewis in here as well as a fan favorite. Like there are a lot of guys on this team you could go that way with. But I'm going to Randall Cobb. Again, potential bias since he's one of my all-time favorite players. But uh, I think it works here.
2: Hey, he's, he's a, just an amazing guy. Our next award is the Carry the G Award. And it is one of, or actually, okay, no, I i almost said it was our only unanimous award winner, but <laughs> it was not. Um, but this is a unanimous award. When you're listening, you probably are thinking the exact same thing. So Dusty and I both awarded the AGE or I just called it the A.J. Dillon Award. It's, we awarded it
1: is. It's the, 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 the A.J. Award the G
2: Award to A.J. Dillon. This is an absolute no-brainer. We had – we're actually – this shows you how organized we've been lately. We actually have a spreadsheet where we plugged in all of our picks. <laughs> and this was one where when I was coming up with the superlatives and which ones we should do, I just filled that one in as I was going because, duh, A.J. Dillon is a Green Bay guy. He has absolutely embraced the culture – He's a mayor of Door County. He's, you know, (laughs) at Fish Fry. He's getting wings. He's seeing people and gaming with people. He is the best and undoubtedly the Carrie the G award winner for this season and probably many seasons that follow.
1: Yeah, I think you filled out the vast majority of yours in that spreadsheet before I did. And I got to that award and I stopped for a second because I was like, want to do someone different than Sarah, but who else could it be? Who else could it possibly be? For all the reasons you just said, like just a a lovely human being. Uh, it's it's like you said. You 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 kind of misstepped at the beginning, and you said you call it the A.J. Dillon Award, but it is. This is just this is the A.J. Dillon Award. This is what this is.
2: It absolutely is. Our next, so now we kind of had individual awards, and now we're going to go um, and shift into games and different moments that happened throughout the season. So we've recognized some people as individuals. So now we're going to recognize the team as a collective group. And our first one of the group superlatives is best game. So Dusty, what was the best game in your opinion?
1: I'm going at that, uh, that Rams game. Uh, the Packers are coming off that loss to the Vikings. That kind of back and forth, and you know, Vikings end up winning late. And they uh, you know, they're heading into the bye. They would have fallen to eight and four with a loss heading into their bye. of that really late bye this year. The Rams were coming off of their bye, so they had the extra week kind of coming into it, and they had two consecutive losses before that. They had lost to the Niners and the Titans before the bye, so they wanted to come out and get the win to get the eight and three. So basically, they coming off two straight losses. They've got the bye week. The Packers are coming off a loss to the Vikings. The Rams were, you know, looking really good and they had stumbled a little, but they were looking like a loaded team. And what happened in that game, which was just, I mean, I can't remember. I can't even remember the final score now. It was pretty much dominance i mean it was you know the packers won i think it was a little closer maybe then i feel like the score shows it a little closer but you had you had a douglas you had a rasul douglas pick six in that game but that was just like the packers felt in control most of that game and that was heading into that game that was all right man i don't know the packers the 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 defense is showing cracks the defense which, which was looking good up until that point the cousins and the vikings just absolutely shredded them so is this going to be kind of the downfall of that defense how is this going to look and the packers came in that game Against you know the team now that's in the Super Bowl and just and dominated that game uh, with another Rasul Douglas heady pick six. I mean a lot of some fun moments in that game, but that was it was at that moment that I was like oh this team's going to the Super Bowl. I just you know I picked the wrong team from there that was going to the Super Bowl, but that was a. When I think back on games there was a handful of them that really stand out. In the Rams game, I think is right at the top for me.
2: Yeah, that was an awesome game. That was one that definitely came to mind for me when I was uh, going through our list here. Um, But I ultimately ended up choosing the Cardinals game. Um, And that was just, I think, because I went into that game with really no expectations. You know, there were barely any wide receivers available. Um, They were going on the road. Traditionally, when the Packers go to the West Coast, they don't play very well. The Cardinals were undefeated at that time. And they went in there and blew me away. The, the way that the defense showed up and played against a really good offense, and the way that Aaron Rodgers led uh, the Packers offense and just was finding guys all over the place, guys stepped up where they needed to to make plays, and then to top it all off with that awesome walk-off interception from Rasul Douglas, who was on the Cardinals practice squad, it was just awesome. I loved that game, and you know Thursday night games usually suck. That was one where I'll look back and In the last few years, say that was one of the better Thursday night games that I watched because it was just a great time all around, and Packers really blew me away in that one. And they broke the Cardinals after that.
1: The Cardinals—they're never (laughs) the the same.
2: (laughs) Um, Best play. So we actually talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think, because somebody sent in a question, just asking, "What was your favorite moment of the year?" Um, And I mentioned, and I just stuck with the same answers. The Rodgers rushing touchdown against the Steelers, and it was just pretty cool. I was there in person to see it, and just that's always something that you cross your fingers for because you know a twelve rushing touchdown doesn't happen too often. When you get to see it with your own eyes, it's it's a thing of art, and it was a lot of fun. And I went crazy and lost my voice, but wouldn't trade it for the world. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this was this was a tough one. There's a lot of really good moments. You know what? I kind of I went to one initially. That's that's the one I'm ending on. Uh, but I kind of I was going through. I was like, okay, do, thinking through some other moments off the top of my head. Well, there's the I own you touchdown uh, against the Bears. You know, that was just a tremendous one. That was another uh, Rogers rushing touchdown. There was the Jones touchdown uh, against the Ravens. That was a kind of leaked backside off of a mesh concept. That was just a beautiful, beautiful setup. Beautiful. Everything, just just a perfect, perfect play. That's one of my favorite plays of the year. So I love that one. Like, just so many amazing moments. But it's it's got to be, it's the game you just talked about, Sarah. It's it's the Rasul Douglas walk-off interception against the Cardinals. That was, you know, like you said, Devontae did not play. It was kind of go, coming off that short week. A lot of fans you know, kind of going in iffy, potentially saying, okay, maybe lose this week. The Cardinals were undefeated. And then it felt inevitable at the end there. Kyler's marching them down. They've got time. It kind of felt like, well, Packers kind of gave their best fight, and Kyler's gonna, Kyler's gonna lead them back, and they're gonna go. I think they were gonna go 9-0, and the Packers are gonna fall. And and to get that, get that uh that walk-off, and you get the the fan reaction in the background of the guys, like one guy's like really excited, and the other guy's just his head down, and Rasul's screaming at him, like just tremendous moment. And that was just again, like I mean, you talked about this a ton, Sarah, with the with the game itself, but Uh, Yeah, just of all of the moments in the year, that's the one that I think is going to stay with me probably the most.
2: Such an awesome moment. All right, now we go into our the not so fun superlatives of worst game and worst play. So, worst game, I'll start for many reasons. Week one against the Saints. Let's start with the list. It's long, and we could be here for thirty more minutes, but I'll try to keep this (laughs) short. Number one, week one. So you're excited. Oh, okay. Aaron Rodgers staying with the Packers after this crazy offseason. Last dance. They're going to do this. They're going to come out swinging. It's going to be great. They're playing at a neutral site instead of having to play um, in New Orleans. So that was clearly an advantage for the Packers. This is awesome. I predicted the future that they were going to play in Jacksonville. They end up playing in Jacksonville. I drive three hours to go <laughs> see them. I'm super excited. Can't wait. And they just lay the biggest egg ever. They looked horrible. That was the least fun I've had watching a Packers game in a long time. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> when you thought it couldn't get worse than it already was. They they just continued to top themselves. And then, you know, after that game, we find out Z's hurt. And then, you know, it was pretty much off or out the entire season. And it just sucked all around. It was a sucky way to start the season. Absolutely felt like a waste of time because they didn't do anything. They scored three points. Three. (laughs) Um, And it was just so bad. I mean, Jameis Winston was running all over the place and looking like a Hall of Famer against the Packers defense in week one. And it really just made me feel like so bad about the season and what was to come. And thank God the Packers turned it around. But, oh, I get the heebie-jeebies thinking about it all over again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like that hits you harder just because you were there. Um, I mean, and it was. I mean, I think back to those memories. And that was was. Like, Oh crap! Like, is this is this is just what Rodgers and this team is now? Like, did he come back and like he's not putting his all into it and everyone just kind of be kind of lazy? So I remember at the time, but I mean, for me, it's there's one answer, man. It's 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 the divisional round game. I mean, they did not have many bad games. Obviously, you know the Saints game they just went through was miserable. They lost to the Lions in Week 18. Who cares? Who cares? Like their backups were in that game. They lost to the Vikings in week 11, which it wasn't great. And again, the defense, you know, started showing some cracks on that one. But it's not like the offense laid an egg. Uh, and so that was still like an entertaining game, even though they lost. And the Chiefs in week nine, that was Jordan Love starting off a short week that you kind of went into that game thinking they're probably not going to win this. And they did not win that. But it was so it wasn't like a heartbreaker. So they didn't have a whole lot of like bad moments. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't need to, you know, relitigate the entire game. I've gone through this divisional round game now a few times, but it's a... Uh, I don't know. You have the Super Bowl. I mean, you go from, again, the 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 highs before week one to a low you felt after that. And as the season goes on, like this is a legit Super Bowl contender. We talked about that before the moments we felt that. I think you were that Cardinals game and I can't remember where I was. It may have been week two when it was like, oh, OK, the team we saw against the Saints is not it like this. This team is actually back back. And so you kind of get this. I mean, for the vast majority of the season, this, this Super Bowl contender, man, you've we've got this. You're feeling good. And for it to end the way it did, man, like it was just just absolutely kills you. So uh, for me, there is no other answer than the divisional round.
2: Week one against the Saints walked so that the 49ers divisional game could run. <laughs> <laughs> Both were just painful to sit through. Yeah. All right. Worst play. This is our second unanimous award winner, loser, since it is a negative superlative. And you're probably all thinking it too. It's that special teams blocked punt against the 49ers that just, I, I don't even know if that was the beginning of the downfall, if it was the climax of the downfall, but that was the moment where I lost faith a bit. Um that last week of the season during the playoffs. And I just remember I was watching the game with my boyfriend. I have my laptop, you know, I'm taking notes for the recap, not happened, And he just gets up and he's just tell me what the final score is because they're just going <laughs> to lose this game. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 it'll be okay. And then no, it wasn't okay. And the season was over. So yeah, that really sucked. Um, that was like a visual representation of my soul just getting sucked out of my body, leaving and mm-hmm. then being super sad. So what about you, Dusty? Do you want to relive, relive the worst play of the Packers season, according to no. us?
1: No, you know, one of the things that gets me about that, too, is how long that ball hung in the air like that was what? blocked, and you and you could tell from where it was blocked, like where it was going to end up. We had to sit there for like <laughs> seven seconds for that sucker to come back down. Like, OK, you can see probably where it's going to come down and you can see there's no Packers over there whatsoever. Like you could, you knew from like the second that sucker was blocked this is going to be a Niners touchdown. And you had to live with that for like seven to 10 seconds until it was recovered and, and take it back. So yeah, for, for multiple reasons, uh, that's, that's the absolute, it's fair that that's the unanimous worst play of the season.
2: Absolutely. I oh got sucked. I just am now sad thinking about it again.
1: All righty. You need these categories. So I know
2: it's, just, it's my fault. No one to
1: blame but yourself.
2: It's self-inflicted pain. Um, okay. Our next one most likely to succeed in 2022. So looking forward and positive vibes only. Um, Dusty, I wasn't surprised when I saw your pick because I feel <laughs> like you've been pushing for this for a long time.
1: Yeah, I, had, I have two guys that I could have gone with. Um, the first would have been Amari Rogers. I'm going to go Um, just because I know he's had his issues. He had the big drop in the division around game. He's had an issue with his hands, but he's gotten better in – things not involving his hands now you still do need to use your hands as my understanding as a tight end but he's uh, i've talked about this before with tight end is one of the tougher positions in the league to learn from coming from college and then you add to that what they ask the tight ends to do lining up in the backfield you're learning offensive line checks you're in the receiver room you have to learn how to be a fullback as well and so there's, there's a lot to learn there's a lot to pick up and he showed flashes. I mean, he's a—he's an absolute dog blocking. Uh, he's shown improvement in his route running. He's got—he's uh, got nice speed, you know, decent quickness. So I think all of the things are there for him to break out. He just needs to catch the ball. I think if he's utilized a little more in the passing game, we don't know what's going on with Tunyon. So I think he's gonna get—he's uh, gonna get his amount, his amount of snaps this next year. And I think he's he seems like a hard worker. He's improved a ton from year one to year two. Obviously, year one he was injured for the most of it, but he showed real improvement throughout the year this year. So I think if he can catch, and I think he will, I think he's going to get better at that. I think he will improve on that. Uh, I think he's in for a big year next year. Who do you have, Sarah?
2: I have Eric Stokes. I was pumped about this pick from the second, the Packers drafted him and was high on him all year. And he really got the opportunity to step up right away due to injuries. And you know, years down the line, I think he's going to look back and that's going to be the best thing that could have happened to him because there's no other way for you to learn and get better in the NFL than to kind of just get thrown into it. And there were times where he definitely looked like a rookie and he made some mistakes, but the way that he progressed throughout the year was just so impressive and fun to watch. And, you know, he had great mentorship from guys like Jari now Russell Douglas, and then Adrian Amos. So, I just really think he has all the potential in the world to continue growing and to be an elite back in the game, and I'm excited to see how he progresses into 2022. All right, and our final superlative is another unanimous winner, and it's the Packers Coach of the Year. So clearly um, there are quite a few coaches on the staff. All of them play a big part in the team's success. Uh, But Dusty and I both agreed on this one, and I'll give it to you to reveal the special award winner, Dusty.
1: Uh, Mo Drayton. It was Mo Drayton, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, laughing, laughing. Uh, no, it's Adam Stanovich. Um, I know for me personally, I the other guy I really considered for this was Jerry Gray, and in part due to how that cornerback room looked after Jair went down and the stride Stokes took, I mean, from what we saw his last year at Georgia to, uh, to green bad and expect him to progress that quickly. So Jerry gray was a guy that was on my list as well, but yes, Dinovich, I mean, just based on, you know, that they recognized him. We've got a question about him later being the OC, but Talked about it before with the O line, the way this is shuffled. You know, they're hoping to get Bakhtiari back, and he didn't really come back aside from what twenty eight snaps in a meaningless Week eighteen game. And with uh, after Elton Jenkins went down, and Billy Turner missing some time, and you know they, the offensive line obviously they struggled in that divisional round game, and that's to be expected um, just based on who they're playing and everything. But I mean, that's this is a unit with the injuries they had, with the guys they were missing, the caliber of guys they were missing, not even just the number of guys. Myers was down as well that they just – they could have folded. This could have turned into an absolute disaster on the offensive line and could have tanked the season. And instead, it turned into a relative strength for them. Like, they played pretty well through the vast majority of the season. I mean, Nyman was out there playing some really good reps when he was kind of – he had always been a guy to dream on that hadn't really seen the field. So, I mean, again, could have gone Jerry Gray. But I think just the injuries that were sustained, the names that were lost, the caliber of those guys – for them to kind of come in and still function as relative normal uh, with that offensive line. I think uh, Stenovich was, it was Stenovich and then a fairly wide gap to the next guy, I feel like.
2: Yeah. I mean, there were just so many changes constantly. It felt Mm -hmm. like every week it was just someone on the line is injured and this person's going to step up and play. And they really consistently continue consistently showed up. I don't know what I was just saying. Um, And so it was really awesome to see. And I'm glad that he got, you know, the the promotion because it's well-deserved. He clearly knows the team and what's best for them on the offense. And um, it was a pretty easy pick for me there. Uh, So that wraps up superlatives for the 2021, 2022 season. We'll be back next year. We have this written down. So hopefully we don't forget. (laughs) And as always, we're going to close it off with questions. So thank you guys. And thank you to everyone that sent in questions. We got quite a few good ones. Uh, So we will start with a question from Sasha. They want to know, with Stenovich getting the nod as offensive coordinator, as we just talked about, is there anything in the playbook that you'd expect us to see a lot more of next year? When I saw this question, it had Dusty written all over it. So I'm (laughs) going to pass it off to him and let him do his thing.
1: Yeah, it's tough to know for sure, just because we don't know, uh, you know, this guy's been in the same system. So you see roughly the same kind of thing, this wide zone look and obviously offensive line coach, you know, who knows exactly what he's going to do. You're kind of transferring that position a bit. What ideas he's going to bring in? But in my mind, and I I, I said this a little before this past year is kind of what I've expected to see this coming year, meaning 2021. For the Packers, uh, and I didn't really see it, but I think maybe with Stanovich, maybe we'll start to see, and that would be kind of the next step of this run game. So to date so far, the Packers have been, again, primarily wide zone. Everything's based around wide zone, which without getting too deep into it, you've got two to three main runs. The everything's kind of based off wide zone, which is ball snapped, line flows laterally to one side. So you're not really looking to get up on anybody or flowing laterally because you're looking to create cutback lanes. And then the linemen are kind of blocking zones. So you see that a lot. And the the, the kind of the bootleg stuff is based off of that. That's the quarterback will run, I don't know, what, like a 45-degree angle, handoff to the running back, he'll get the ball flowing one way, and he'll follow those blocks or he'll cut back. That's the basis of this. And then what you run off of that as well, if you're running inside, you're on the inside zone or something like Duo with a couple uh, double teams up front there. But the basis of all of this Is zone blocking. So you're just, you're basically all of your guys, no one's really crossing paths. Everyone's flowing the same directions. Everyone's taking their guy. If it's inside zone, you're climbing, but you're still kind of doing this, I don't know, probably a lazy way to see it, but more or less straight. You're more or less just like blocking in front. You're not crossing paths. You're just, you're doing your job and you're blocking your zone, more or less. What the, and, and kind of what I was thinking before the 2021 season is what you see out of the Niners, what they have started doing because they're based out of the same system and they go with some more varied runs and they'll go a little more gap schemes, a little more power, a lot of pull that guard, pull the tackle, run some trap, run some like some of those that are kind of more, say, man blocking stuff, some of the old power game stuff uh, that you can play off of this. Now, some of the wide zone stuff, they say like you have to major in that. Because you all your guys have to be on the same page. So you want to devote, if you have so little practice time, you need to devote all of your time to this. If you want to be a zone team, you'll be a zone team. But with the offensive, with our, our the, the Stenevich coming in as offensive, uh, kind of offensive coordinator, I don't know why I'm blanking on how to talk now, uh, I could see maybe uh, maybe a greater emphasis on the run game, specifically kind of trying to vary this up. So some more of those gap schemes, some more, Pullers, because right now, even if the Packers are pulling someone, for the most part, they're pulling a wide receiver, or they're pulling Deguara as a fullback out of the backfield, and they're using him as the puller uh, instead of kind of a lead guy. They're using him as the puller to kind of to run through. But I think uh, what I'd be looking for is kind of that next step, the next evolution of the run game. So I'm pulling guards, pulling tackles, trap power, all of the fun stuff that goes into that. That man blocking stuff. And again, I don't know exactly who he's going to bring with him, but with a guy being an offensive line guy, I could see that being the next step. They'll take here.
2: Great answer. And Sasha, hope, hopefully that gave you more than enough because Dusty <laughs> just really knows his stuff. So our next question is from Sam and they want to know, let's say Rogers is traded to the Broncos and the Packers go into the draft with two first round and two second round picks. So four picks in total. Which positions would you want addressed with those picks? Is it worth taking a QB with one of them, perhaps? So Dusty, let's start. You give your two p- picks in the first round. I'll give my two picks in the first round, and then we'll go into second round.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'll go. Uh. I'm. I'm. I'm not going to go quarterback, and part of that is because. Um, I don't know. I feel like if they trade Rogers, they at least believe somewhat in Jordan Love. And also because I just don't love this quarterback class. Uh, just it's, I think a lot of these guys are more of a lottery ticket than than Jordan Love is. Uh, so if they've seen enough of Love and they feel like they're he's not the ticket, then sure, maybe, but I don't see that happening. So I think I would go, and again, I don't know a ton about the draft. I've dug into that. I don't know if I'm going to dig into that, but just looking at needs, looking at what I would like to do, first round pick, uh, first pick on a wide receiver, just any wide receiver, a good wide receiver, and second pick on uh, D line, uh, D tackle. Get some, get some dynamic help on the outside. Whether Devonte Adams is back or not, uh, you're probably going to lose. You know, you're going to lose someone there, and you want to in- inject some life in that wide receiver game. And uh, that defensive line could use some work. And Kenny Clark could use a little running mate there. So, uh, you know, I like Slayton. I just don't think Slayton's going to be the guy to kind of be that guy. But let's let's throw some talent at the D line, Sarah. What uh, what do you got?
2: Yeah, so I I would like to see a wide receiver in the mix because obviously Devontae Adams is probably not coming back. I can I feel okay saying that, but again I could be dumb and stupid and six months from now I'll be laughing at this. Uh, so I would like to see that. Um, and then I agree. I think on the defensive side they either need to get a linebacker or somebody on the on the line. You know, it's going to be hard to keep both. Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas and I have a feeling they may lean towards Rasul Douglas and we've seen how much of a big difference it can make if you have an inside linebacker that's really talented and can provide consistency so I'd probably look to those two positions in the first round Uh, what about your two in the second round
1: Again, no knowledge of anyone that drafted. This yeah, point. no. Same. Uh, o line. Uh, I'm going to go O line for depth, and uh, you know we don't know what's going to go on with Billy Turner, but so I'm looking for, you know, a potential tackle that could grow into that. You know, give him a redshirt year in his rookie year, and then you know have him start hopefully by year two. I'm going to go uh, kind of a toolsy guy there that you think kind of grow into something, and then I'll go uh, I'll go safety with uh, with there as well. I think you know we don't know what's happening with Adrian Amos's deal and Darnell Savage, you know, who I think he's, he's got a couple years left on his rookie deal, but it just, with kind of how they've been running, you know, a couple of the, you know, multiple safeties on the field and rotating those guys in and out. I, man, I just, I don't, anytime I saw Henry black out there, it, it made me shudder a little bit. So then getting some talent at that safety position in this defense would really help them out.
2: Yeah, I would go uh, safety as well. And then, You know, screw it, tight end. I I really, we don't know what's happening with Tunyon, Like we talked about, it's Mercedes Lewis going to be around? Is he going to retire? We don't really know. So, I and clearly the LaFleur offense thrives when they have tight ends that are able to make plays. So, if they don't feel like DeGuara is necessarily the number one guy, but that he's able to still make plays and contribute, maybe find a guy that can offer something different and balance, you know, that position group a bit more. So again, we're not draft people. We will, as always, take off during the draft and let the (laughs) experts who study this and um, are really into it uh, have their time to shine and also just provide you guys with much more high quality content than we can give about the draft. Um, But it's always fun to talk about it a little bit. All right. Our next question is from Joe C and they want to know if you're putting yourself in the new special teams coordinator shoes, what's the first thing you're changing?
1: Yes. This is is interesting. This was uh, Mike Sando wrote an article I was kind of having the the same thought, but Sando put an article up over at the athletic today. And it was part one of the, uh, one of the things he had in there was uh, percent of special teams snapped by starters. So the Packers do not love doing this. Actually, they're higher on the list than I thought. Fourteenth in the league at using at the percent of starters on special teams at seventeen point two percent. The number one team in the league at using starters was the Las Vegas Raiders, coached by one Mister Rich Bisaccia. Thirty one point nine percent of their special team starters were actual game starters. Uh, the Steelers were second at twenty six point six. So the pretty decent bump between the Raiders and the Steelers are a pretty decent gap there. So. I, you know, I don't know if this is the answer, um, but I would hope getting a guy like Bisaccia, who's obviously been doing this a long time, seems to be well-respected by his players, You know, seems to have, a, I would say, a good relationship with uh, with the people he's coached with, the uh, organizations he's been with, I would hope they would trust him uh, to do what he wants. So I think at some point, I know, and LaFleur is in that article, in that Sando article, talking about he's looking around the league, they're looking at the numbers, they're talking to different teams saying like, what are your approaches on special teams in terms of starters and other stuff like that? So I would hope that with Passaccia, you know, hopefully devote some more starters to that. Again, we'd, I don't love starters all the time there just because there is it, – it does you open you up for injury. But something's got to change. But I hope Passaccia, they just say, all right, listen, man, what do you need to be successful? And and we'll just go from there. And so I would say, you know, starters. I'm looking for starters. You know, a handful of guys there. You know, if they're in harm's way, they're in harm's way. But that's what we need to make this better. And just, you know, prioritize one or two specialists. Prioritize at least one specialist. You know, you see some of those, like, you know, the very good special teams units throughout the league year after year will have, you know, I think of, I always think of the Patriots and think of Slater just flying down the field. Like he was, he didn't do much for the team as a whole, but he was a special teams ace. Uh, so that I think you just, you basically just say, what do you need? We'll give you whatever you need. And I think that's I think that's starters and and prioritizing making a pick with special teams in mind or making a signing and those don't cost a lot. You're not signing a starting tackle. You're starting a special teams guy. So just really prioritize getting that in order. So if I was uh, that that's kind of where I would go. Turn that over to Passaccio and just say, listen, man, whatever you need, we, we will give this to you. And it sounds like they're going to pay him enough money that they're likely going to listen to whatever input he has. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Yeah. That article, Dusty had shared it with me while we were prepping for the episode and I thought it was really interesting. So definitely something to go check out and read if you're interested in, you know, what what the future could look like on special teams for the Packers. Uh, We also got another question um, via DM and that's what's your wildest football take? So not even Packers, just football in general.
1: Mine is just I mean, Mine is if, if RG three was not injured his rookie year he's a top five quarterback. I think wow. what, what we saw at Baylor out of him, you know, when he was a, he was a mobile quarterback, and obviously they you know they used that a lot in that system when during his rookie year Shanahan and Washington there, but his accuracy, his deep ball accuracy, the way he was able to read a field was 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 very very good. I, it was him and Luck in a one two at the time, and maybe I was foolish. I was arguing RG three is going to be better than Luck, and again, obviously that didn't happen. And they put in that read option stuff, and I understand why they did it. But I still think his skill set, based on what he showed, I think if they wanted him to be primarily a drop back passer and then, you know, with some design runs here and there, but not build an offense out of it, I think he could have been very, very good for a very long time. So that's, that's, and again, we saw him. He's come back since then. He played backup. He hadn't played overly well, but that's, that's not the RG3 that came out of college. I think if he had, if he had stayed healthy that rookie year, I just, I think, uh, I think he becomes a top five quarterback. Not, not of all time, but in the league during his run there, I think he'd be top five. So that's, that's probably, it's probably fairly wild, I'd imagine.
2: Yeah. Mine, and it's always, I've been saying this for a while, is that I don't think Trevor Lawrence is as good as people think he is. And I, Kind of, I mean, it's hard to say because the Jaguars suck, but last year I always thought, I'm like, I think he'll be fine, but, and I think he'll be a good quarterback, but I don't know if he's going to be this. Everyone was hyping him up to literally be the next Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, and you got to prove yourself a little bit before you can say that. So I don't know if it's the hottest take ever, but I've always felt like that, and I felt a little bit better. Uh, or about saying it is a lot of people were like, you're crazy. He's the best (laughs) recruit ever. And he's born to play football and it's no hate on him. I obviously think he's a great player, but I just don't know if he's as good as everyone says he is or thought he was going to be. All right. And that wraps us up for questions. Thank you everyone who submitted this week always bring the heat so we appreciate it especially in the off season when we're always looking for new content we have an exciting episode planned for next week I know we hinted at it a bit uh, last week and it's inspired by one of our questions so you know just keep sending in those questions and you never know you could have a whole episode inspired after your submission (laughs) so really appreciate it
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to say for it
1: yeah yeah thanks for everyone so we'll, we'll close it out here just with the final thoughts and i guess before we get the final final thoughts we wanted to kind of touch on uh, there is a game this weekend I don't know if you guys know if you've if anyone's heard about it uh no not the pro bowl that was that was this past weekend everyone was very excited about that but we have the super bowl coming up uh rams and Bengals. uh sarah what are your thoughts you got a prediction for the super bowl what are your, what are your thoughts on the game as a whole
2: Go Bengals! That's I <laughs> want the Bengals to win so bad. The Rams, uh, whatever. I think the Rams are a bit overrated, um, but I would love to see the Bengals be the Cinderella story in the NFL. I feel like rarely in pro sports do we have a Cinderella. It's usually in college. Um, love what Joe Burrow is doing and all the good and positive vibes he puts out there and he just seems awesome. Um, So I really am hoping that they pull through and that um, I I feel like everyone in America besides the few Rams fans out there is rooting for the Bengals because it would just be an awesome story. Uh, But I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a good game regardless. Clearly the Bengals always come to compete and they make things interesting and exciting. Uh, So That should be really cool. The halftime show, I think is going to be interesting this year. Uh, Quite a few artists. So that's kind of usually, you know, it's two um, at the most. And they have a whole group this year. Uh, And I think it's going to be a great time. So I'm really looking forward to it. Do I wish the Packers were playing? Am I salty that they're not? Absolutely. But, hey, got to cheer for the Bengals.
1: That's right. Uh yeah, and for me, I could see a world where the Rams just blow this out. Like if everything goes well and Stafford is good Stafford and everything's kinda rolling. I could see a world where it's just like, oh, they're up twenty at the half and that's that. But I'm I'm cheering for the Bengals and I I mean I think they'll keep it close at the very least. They it on paper it seems like on the paper, the Rams are the better team. the papers of paper it seems like the Rams should win this. But Bengals defense has been doing some interesting stuff. They've been playing way better. Obviously, we've seen what Burrow's done and so that offense when they get cooking, they can they can mess up a lot of people's day. And Matt Stafford is still Matt Stafford. Like he's gonna they won that game, they beat the 49ers, but he threw a ball that should have been that was a gimme pick to Tart right in the middle of the field. He he'll give you a couple of those, man. He's gonna make some bad decisions. He's gonna chuck some balls up. There's times he's gonna lock on a guy. Just say, that's my guy, and not really look anywhere else. So they're going to have their chances to, to pick a ball off, a ball or two. That's Stafford. He's going to give that to you with the pressure that they can create. They're going to have him running a little bit. So I I think I'm going to pick the Rams to win, uh, but I hope it's the Bengals. I hope it's the Bengals. Uh, so, Sarah, you have any uh, final, final thoughts, uh, non-Super Bowl final thoughts? You dro- you dropped an announcement today, Sarah, I on, did. The old, on the old Twitter there.
2: So that's, yeah, I did the classic notes app. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I'm bittersweet, but I am taking a break from writing at Cheesehead TV. Um, I, I never write during the off season, but um, wanted to give the team over there a heads up that I won't be able to write this season, you know, this fall, and at least for the foreseeable future, uh, there's just some opportunities that are um you know, out there that I can pursue related to my real job um, and career. And um, I'm at a point in my life where I have the time to pursue them and can pursue them wholeheartedly and really felt like I couldn't pass that up. And writing about the Packers has been such a privilege and being a part of Cheesehead TV has really been, and it sounds cheesy, but it's been life changing for me. I, You know, reached out to Al and Corey and Aaron when I was 18 or 19, and they just kind of gave me a chance to learn and grow. And I I was talking to Dusty about it. I told him a few days ago, and, you know, I said I submitted writing samples from Cheesehead TV to help me get my current job now. Like it really set me on a path to um, explore the career that I've always wanted and that I'm still working toward. And, you know, my goal and, is that I'll eventually come back and, you know, whether I'm writing the recaps or something else in the future. And everybody at Cheesehead that I've shared the news with has been so just supportive. And, um, you know, I look forward to hopefully coming back one day when the time's right. Um, but I really am overwhelmed. I, you know, put the note tab announcement out just to kind of give everybody a heads up and say, thank you to the people I wanted to say thank you to. Um, And the response has really just kind of blown me away, whether people commented. I I got a few DMs from people that were just so kind, and I just wanted to say thank you to everybody that's followed my writing over the years and um, helped me learn and improve, because it really has meant a lot to me, and I can't express that enough, so thank you. Um, But... I'm not leaving the podcast, so I'm still going to be here um, and I'm excited to continue the podcast journey. So, you know, can't get rid of me quite yet if you were hoping to get rid of me Um, and I'll still be able to watch um, a lot of the games and be tweeting, you know, during the games and about Packers news and memes. So the only thing that's really changing is I just won't have my stories on Cheesehead, but really just grateful for the experience and everything. Hard to believe it's already been four seasons, honestly.
1: Yeah, I can't really follow that up, um, except to say, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we we talked about it last week. Um, just remarkably proud of you and everything you've accomplished in the time that a uh, short time that I've known you. So I know stepping away from that is is the good move for you. Obviously, we're going to miss you at Cheesehead. We won't miss you here because you're still staying here with us, which is which is awesome. But just as always, just remarkably proud of you, okay. everything you're doing, everything you're going to do in the future. Um, we can't wait to see what comes next for you in your in your career. Um, and yeah, that's I'll uh, do it for us today. So uh, make sure to follow us all on Twitter. That's uh, at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher I might as well throw at Steve Perhatch on there as well. He's always with us in spirit. Shout out Steve. Um, Shout out Steve. Uh, Follow the podcast at Packet A Podcast. Rate and review us on your podcast uh, platform, wherever you listen to us. Uh, And as always, go pack go.